God, before us, God, beside us, God, behind us, God, above us, be also now between us a bridge through which your truth may move. In the name of the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's be seated. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. The most crocheted scripture in all of the Bible, probably. And we're not going to talk about it today. We're going to get into some deep stuff, because I figured it was Labor Day, there'd be like five people here, so I was going to get it, dive into the deep end of the pool. I hear voices. I know, I know. It's what I, that's what I said. He's going crazy, right? Katie, bar the door. Um, I hear voices a lot, but I think we all hear voices, don't we? In one way or another, in life, I was at, uh, at a pool yesterday with my kids, and my kids are now old enough where they're off doing their own thing. I was really by the pool, just, just laying there. And so I'm sitting there, and I'll hear people call for their children. Or kids call for their moms and their dads. Mom, dad, blah, blah, and, and instinctively, even though my kids are now too old to do that, I turn as if they're asking me for help, because I think I hear my child's voice. 15-year-old child who wants nothing to do with me, right? But I still think he might be calling for me. There's that hope. Maybe he needs me, right? I'm right here. Um, But I hear those voices wherever I go. It could be an airport. It could be wherever. And I think someone is calling me. Or I'll hear a voice that has the timbre of my mother's, and I'll think, what is my mom doing in the Atlanta airport? Yeah, wow. We all hear those kind of voices in our lives. Sometimes it's the voice in our own heads. I was a part of something in Montgomery several years ago called a dragon boat race. I know, that sounds horrible too, doesn't it? But these dragon boats are these just, you know, you have like 15 people on a boat and then you paddle, not row, I got corrected and slapped down on that one. You paddle, um, you know, very, in a very distinct way against other teams, and you do all of this for charity. And so on the dragon boat, you have to listen to the drummer, because they have an actual drummer that's beating out a rhythm, and you listen to the caller who calls out the rhythm. I have no rhythm, right? I also have a very limited attention span. So I am not paying any attention to the person who's at the front of the boat. Instead, I'm watching everybody around me, including the person in front of me, and I think to myself, well, I'll just follow them, because surely they're paying attention, and then um, we'll all be good. And if, when you do that, it's, it's, a, it's a disaster, right? Because you are then in sync with the person in front of you, not with the person who's calling the row stroke, and it gets everything off. And then the boat starts doing like this, and people start screaming at you, and it's terrible. So don't do that. But it all comes from not listening to the right voice. Not hearing the cadence of the one who's calling the shots. And so it begs the question, 
for you maybe, but it begs the question for me today anyway, is what voice am I listening to in life? What voice are you listening to in life? And I could have, we, we could be talking, the gospel is beautiful today, the Hebrews lessons, wonderful, but we're going to Jeremiah, baby. We're going to the Old Testament, and we're going to listen to that voice of the prophet, and prophets in the Old Testament are rarely called um, to say rosy things. You know, they're not really talking about um, angels so much as, as difficult things that we're called to as a people. And that's what Jeremiah is doing today to the people who have basically turned away from the voice of God. They are not listening to God. They have turned away from God. And that is what Jeremiah is calling them to confront and to face. Whose voice are you listening to today? And it ultimately comes down to idolatry. I mean, there he's basically saying that they've exchanged God for idols, and it's sin. Ooh, sin. He just mentioned sin. I, we got to get out of here. I, I want to talk about love and angels. I don't want to talk about sin. But you can't talk about love and angels without first talking about what separates you from God. What makes you even able to recognize an angel? <laughs> right? unless you recognize what is separating you from the divine one that has created you. And that's ultimately what sin is, which is a separation from God. It's a turning away from God. And all sin, in my opinion, is idolatry. I mean, idolatry is at the root of it all. I want to be God. I want to be the one in charge. I want to listen to my voice. That's the cadence I want. Um, Or I want to listen to the voices of the ones that I make into gods in this life. Um, whoever it is. That's the voice I want to hear because it's more glamorous a lot of times. It's easier. It makes me feel better sometimes. Anyway, Jeremiah is talking to a nation that is in decline. In verses 4 through 8, we hear that they are turning to idols, um, and he is using sexual imagery to talk about this turning away. Um, And there is something deep in our souls a spiritual desire that is greater than physical attraction, and that can be very great, can't it? Um, and maybe I'm just, uh, let's just, I'm just talking about myself, because I found that when I talk about sin, I did this at a Lenten retreat recently, and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, well, I don't, I just, I don't like all this talk about sin, because I just really don't think that I'm that bad. And I thought, well, okay, that's fine, you know, if if that's where you are. But we're in Lent, and we're talking about the cross. And so we kind of need to talk about some of these things, right? Um, Anyway, so I'm talking about my own spiritual desire. There is something in me that is seeking meaning in life. There's something in all of us, and we can't produce our own meaning in life. We can't produce our own security in life. And so we reach out for something that we think is going to give us that, and we will look everywhere for it. (laughs) We will look everywhere for it because we know down deep inside that we are parched and something has to fill this hole. Something has to fill this parchness that is in us, this, this thirst that we have. We know down deep inside that it's not us, that we can't do it through our own drive, through our own need. It's something, it's somebody, some goal, some pursuit. 
and we're powerless to reproduce it in our own lives. And so we seek for it out there. And we'll say that it's God, but it really isn't. And if it is not God whose meaning is the source of our meaning, whose strength is the source of our security, whose affirmation is the source of our self-worth, then we are in relationship spiritually with something other than God. And our cisterns are cracked and they will never be filled. And we are every bit as beholden to this thing that we are worshiping spiritually, whether it is beauty, whether it is success, whether it is youth, whether it is our children, whether it is our marriage, whether it is whatever it is. We are as beholden to that spiritually as we are, or as we think we are to God. If you are not in my arms, says the Lord, then you are in the arms of something else. And it usually happens innocently and gradually. At least it does in my life. In those times where I have woken up and said, where am I? Who am I? Right? It is taking the good and making it the best. To wood and stone, I say you are my father. That's kind of an ancient way to look at it. Wood and stone, the sources of life and industry. Today, maybe we would say um, uh, computer chips and uh, cellular lines or whatever it is. There's nothing sinful about that. It's great. It's wonderful. It's industry. It's life. It's, It's a part of what God has given us. Right in today's Eucharistic prayer, God's blessed us with memory, reason, and skill. And those things are good in creating things. But those things begin slowly to define us. They begin to be who we are, and without them, who are we? And when that absence gives us a void, when their absence gives us a void, we know that we are addicted and that we can't live without it. And then it's the time that we realize we're listening to some other drummer. I'm paddling to the person in front of me or to the person on the latest hit television show or whatever it is. I'm not listening to the cadence and I'm out of rhythm. And down deep inside, I know why, but I don't want to talk about it and I don't want to admit it. How do we avoid the fatal attractions? All problems come from this, right? When we have that inordinate amount of anger, fear, guilt, boredom, what is there that I feel like I have to have or else I'm going to die? That without it, I am not complete. Without it, I am not whole. What is functioning more as my Savior than Jesus the Christ? The people of Judah... And their religious leaders did not say, where is the Lord? Jeremiah said, they did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that no one passes through, where no one lives. No one said, where is the Lord who delivered us from that? And that is the critical question that I rarely ask in my own life or at times where I am beholden to the, to the spell of something else. Where is God in my work? 
Where is God in my family? Where is God in the midst of my desires? And oftentimes I don't ask it because I don't want to know. Because I know that God's nowhere to be found. When we understand that that separation from God is not that God punishes us, but that we break God's heart, that God wants nothing more than for us to be with God, God's self. When we ask that question, where is God? We remember the grace. We remember the only saving power that there is through Jesus the Christ. Okay. Heavy enough, right? Let's use some illustrations. How many of y'all are Lord of the Rings fans? Yeah, I am too. Um, The hobbit Pippin is standing at the gate of the city. The demon king comes in and is about to destroy the city. Everything that they, that they love, everything that they hold as dear and strong, the stronghold of all that they, that they hold as their world and their life. It's gone. And then they hear the horn. The horns of the rider of Rowan. And even though the king rides to his death that day, through that horn and through that mighty army, the city is saved. And Pippin could never hear a horn again without weeping. Why? Because it reawakened the memory of his salvation. It reawakened the meaning that is in his life. It reawakened the only rock that there is. What are your distant horns? And do you hear them? In August of 1973, y'all ever heard of Jan Eric Olson? Jan Eric Olson was out of prison on parole in Stockholm, Sweden. And he attempted to rob a bank. I guess, you know, some habits are hard to break. So, um... He takes four people hostage while he is robbing this bank, and there is a standoff between Olson and the police, and it lasted for six days. And at one point during the standoff, Olson called Sweden's prime minister to say that he would kill all of the hostages. And he put one of the hostages, Kristen Enmark, on the phone, and she said to the prime minister, I am very disappointed in you. I think you are sitting here playing with our lives. Despite Olson's threats to kill her, Enmark had decided she felt safer with the bad guy, the guy that took away her freedom than she did with the police. In fact, she wasn't the only one. Other hostages actually resisted rescue attempts and later refused to testify against their captor. Some even raised money for his defense. They became so accustomed with that that was holding them in slavery, that had them bound. They felt that that was their love and that was their salvation, that they resisted every attempt to be saved. Patty Hearst did the same thing. They call it the Stockholm Syndrome which is where you identify more with your captor than you do with your deliverer. We are so thirsty. 
and we fill our cracked cisterns with all that glitters. And yet, we wonder why our cisterns are empty. Because they're cracked. Do you hear voices? What voices do you hear today? How are we rowing in life? Is God the one who made you, the one who loves you, and the one who will never forsake you at the center of it all? If we turn to him, he is there waiting, waiting to give us everything, and he's already given it all to us waiting for us to be with him. From Psalm 81. Sing with joy to God our strength and raise a loud shout to the God of Jacob. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and said, open your mouth, open your life, and I will fill it. Fill it with grace. Fill it with love. Fill it with God. Amen.